0: All right, if you have your Bibles, open up to James, chapter number one. James, I should turn this on. I am on. All right. I thought I didn't have it on. Uh, James, chapter one. And I want to preach this evening on overcoming temptation. Let me just say a word as well. But can I tell you this, that God's still on the throne. and uh, and And you know what? In reality we know that things are just going to go downhill in this world. And that doesn't mean we're not going to fight against them, amen? Uh, I'm not going to sit down and stop preaching against sin because that's the way the world's going. Uh, we, we still continue to do what's right. We still continue to advocate what is right uh, and, and understand uh, that, that, I'll say it this way, in this world, we're fighting a losing battle but ultimately, we're going to win, okay? Uh, so we understand that. And so, uh, again, I appreciate the, those who prayed and those who uh, participated. And, and we did everything that we could, I believe. And, uh, and it is what it is. And so uh, the Lord knows what's going on. And uh, you know what? We're on the Lord's side. And so that's that. Um, James chapter number 1 and verse number 13, we left off there. Uh, James 1.13, the Bible says this. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he. Any man let me just stop here and say this that uh, the the temptation that is talking about in verse number two uh, we clarified was were trials and difficult things that we would go through but the temptation that is being talked about in verse number 12 is indeed a temptation to sin um, and, and I think sometimes uh, the, the, the writers, uh, I know Paul would do it, and, and I don't know about James uh, probably as well. Uh, sometimes they'll just do a play on words, and, uh, and it comes across, and sometimes you see it, and sometimes you don't always see it, uh, just because originally they were written in Greek, and so uh, you don't always see it. I, I really didn't get a lot of the puns in Spanish. And I like puns, uh, but I just didn't get them because it's not my native language. Uh, but when you translate it, you cannot translate a pun and a joke. It just doesn't come across, and uh, and so uh, that's just the bottom line. But in, in English, in this one, we can see it, because the same word is used there in temptation in verse number 2, in temptation in verse number 13, but they are two different terms. Uh, uh, Types of temptation. So understand that. Let's continue with verse number 14. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lice and enticed. And then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Do not err, my beloved brethren." Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow... Let's stop there and let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you, Father, for your word that we can read, that we can study. God, that we can learn from. God, that we can be encouraged. We can draw uh, direction. We can find light. We can find help. We can find strength. All in your word. And Father, we thank you for that. God, I pray that you'd use me. I pray that you'd speak through me. God, I pray that you'd help every Christian to realize uh, that, that, God, we, we need to overcome temptation in our life. And Father, we'll thank you for that. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Every single saved person uh, will face and will wrestle with temptation in their life. By the way, that is a good indication that you are saved. If you're not wrestling with temptation in your life, and if you don't struggle with temptation, one of two things is true. One, you're not saved and there's no Holy Spirit to convict you about what you're doing wrong, uh, or two, you have seared the Holy Spirit, and you, you're just not listening to him. I believe that's the way Lot lived his life. Uh, and and he, we uh, know because of the New Testament that he was saved. But if you read his life account, you would have never known that. And so, uh, so those, one of those two scenarios has got to be true, and, uh, and either one of them, uh, boy, you better check up on. Uh, if you don't wrestle with temptation, if tra- temptation is not something that you struggle with, uh, then you either need to draw closer to God or really check out your salvation, because one of those two things is off. And uh, that's important. Um, and we are uh, by the way, we are bombarded uh, with temptation every single day in this world. Uh, you just you walk out the doors and and it is automatic. Um, I remember, you know, they talk a lot about the good old days, and there is a lot of uh, there were some good things in the old days. I think it was, I listened to a lot of messages yesterday at the Preacher's Fellowship. We had a great time. And I I don't remember if it was there or elsewhere that I heard it, but um, uh, I I remember one of the preachers saying this, that, uh, listen, in the old days, all you had was moral lost people. Okay, because the morality was higher. Not that everyone was lost. There were saved people, obviously. But the morality of society was, by and large, much higher than it is today. Today, we live in a very perverse, immoral society, and and it's even gotten worse uh, in that, uh, boy, it, it didn't used to be that you would drive around and see uh, bumper stickers with cuss words in them. That didn't used to, that's kind of new within the last maybe five, maybe, maybe five years, maybe a little bit longer, and it just bugs me. I, I see that, and I, I just, man, my mind feels filthy after I've read that stuff. And, and it just doesn't set well with me. And what I'm saying is, every, unless you lock yourself in the house and read the Bible, you are going to be bombarded with temptation and wickedness and perversity every single place that you go. It's just out there. And so we need to understand that, but more than that, we need to understand as Christians how to deal with those things, because it's something that we're going to face. It's something that is not going to go away. It is something that is going to be around until you die. It's just going to be there or the Lord comes back. One of the two. And uh, and so as we look at this passage, I want us to note a few things about temptation and uh, and really, ultimately, uh, draw the conclusion of overcoming temptation in our life. But let's look at some things about temptation. In verses 13 and 14, we see the source of temptation. Look at verse number 13. The Bible says, Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. Listen, the source of temptation, i can, you can mark it down. You can underscore that in your Bible. It never comes from God. God's not going to tempt people. The Bible's very clear about that. Uh, he, he's not the one. Uh, listen, people like to find fault with other people. Matter of fact, uh, they they love to pin it on everyone else. Well, it's your uncle's grandfather's brother. Uh, It's his fault that you're the the way that you are. No, no, listen, uh, people like to point fingers. And, And listen, they'll point fingers to this, they'll point fingers to that, they'll point fingers to God. And say, it's God's fault that all of this is like this. And listen, the Bible is very clear that God does not tempt man to sin. And so we need to understand that. That's a pretty clear, straightforward, cut and dry thing that God doesn't, uh, doesn't tempt man uh, to sin. Now we understand this, uh, and I want to just mention this, that uh, that's temptation to sin versus tempted as trials. Because God did allow Job to go through trials. You remember Satan came up to him and said, Hey, uh, have you considered your servant Job? And, uh, and 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 uh, and God ultimately now He didn't uh, bring all those trials, but He did allow those afflictions to come into Job's life, and they were trials, they were hardships. And so, but uh, it was not uh, the same as putting sin in front of people to try and entice them to fall into sin. You understand? There's a difference between those two things, and so God will never, never tempt people. Notice this in verse number 13, not only does the source of temptation is never from God, but also notice this in verse number 13, the Bible says, for God cannot be tempted with evil. And you know what that's saying? It's saying that God is sinless and that He's perfect. And listen, temptation all day long uh, will not entice God whatsoever. We need to understand that. Now I read that and I thought, wait a minute. Uh, now I, I can automatically see the argument that is being launched from the other side. They're saying, see, that's why Jesus Christ is not God. And they'll throw that at you and they'll say, Ah, oh, there we go, we've got you now. Well listen, Jesus Christ was a, uh, a mix of human flesh... And God, he was the God-man. He was God in the human flesh. Was Jesus tempted? Absolutely he was tempted. There's no doubt about it. We have a record of it. Matthew chapter 4. You go back and read it and you can find out that even the Spirit led him into the wilderness before he was tempted. And so he was tempted. But wait a minute. Isn't Jesus God? And yes, the answer is Jesus is God. So wait a minute, was God tempted? The answer is no, God was not tempted, but Jesus' flesh was tempted. You understand that Jesus was a human. He felt pain. He felt emotion. He said, I hunger. He said, I thirst. He felt all of those human feelings that we, we feel except for as the Bible very clearly says, he was without sin. Now, we, we, I have a hard time understanding that. I'll be honest with you, because I am a sinful creature. I don't understand what it's like to live in a, I'm going to call it this, an innocent flesh. You and I, we don't, we don't have any clue what's that like, what, what that is like. Because ever since we could reason, ever since we could think, we started sinning. We became selfish by nature. We became liars by nature. We became all of these things by nature. But Jesus Christ never was. Because he had an innocent flesh. He had a flesh that had never sinned. It was not the fallen flesh that we have. And so his flesh was tempted, but he did not sin in that temptation. So I want to just to notice this in verse number 13, that the source of temptation never comes from God and that God is perfect and sinless by nature. And so we see that in verse number 13. Okay, wonderful. Wonderful. So we haven't touched yet. Where is the source of temptation? I'm glad you asked. It's right in the next verse. Verse number 14. Go with me there. The Bible says this, but every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust. And enticed. And I want you to notice just three things out of this verse, and and we'll notice this that the source of temptation, I'll give you this, is particular to each person. Notice this in verse number 14. It says, the Bible says, but every man is tempted. Notice this, that every person, that man is generic for people in general, every person will be tempted in this life. Why? Because we have a corrupt flesh. We have a sin nature. It is part of us. It is inherent. And so listen, from a very child, at a very early age, you begin to see that sin nature come out. That selfishness. Our nursery workers, they would know this. And anybody who has children would know this. That I, had, I had twins, so we watched it a lot. You give one kid one thing, and guess what? a fight ensues. Why? Because one has something that the other does not. And that selfish nature is going to come out, whether it's uh, they push them down and take it uh, or or whatever takes place, but that selfishness comes out and shows itself. And so you know from the very nature uh, that, that, listen, everyone has that sin nature. The Bible tells us that. Uh, And so we see that. But the Bible tells us here that every man, so every person has that sin nature and nobody is exempted from temptation. Well, pastor, not me. You must be dead or you're a liar. And your pride is tempting you to cover it up so nobody knows about it. We're tempted. We all are. There's no one that is exempt from that. The Bible says every man is tempted. Look at what he says when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. I want you to notice not only all people are tempted, but I want you to notice the appeal. The Bible says drawn away of his own lust. Let me give you an illustration. Uh, I I thought this through several times, and I decided we'll go with a very uh, easy, non-sinful illustration. That would be easier for everyone. All right? And, and I'll be the target. That'll make you... That they, Everyone just take a sigh of relief. You're, you're off the hook now. All right? If you had a piece of chocolate and you put it right here, I'm going to be tempted the entire time I'm preaching. Matter of fact, I'll probably grab it and hide it or eat it, one of the two, so that it's out of my sight or it's in my mouth because I innately love chocolate it's just in my nature why do I like chocolate I don't know it just tastes good a couple of my kids they they um and I don't remember which ones but but they were like they don't really care for chocolate I'm like I'm thinking about disowning you I I mean I can't even comprehend how can you not like chocolate I mean, there's nothing bad about it. I mean, chocolate is good. I just can't even understand somebody that cannot or does not necessarily like chocolate. Or it's not a, you know, you know and, and some it's just not a temptation. You open it up and you set it down and, uh, and you better make sure I'm not home because it will disappear before somebody else walks through. But, uh, but uh, you know, some people, they'll just walk by that and it that, that doesn't bother them in the least. Man, I walk through there and there's an open, it's free game, brother. I mean, open chocolate in my house, not, not dark chocolate, all right? Charity can have all that. I, I, I want milk chocolate. And, and, uh, and I see that chocolate, man, I am going to gobble that up. Why? Because it is a temptation that appeals to me. And what appeals to me may not appeal to somebody else. Now, I've, I don't understand, um, I, I've not dug in, uh, I've not had the opportunity to dig deep enough, and, and maybe I would never understand the answer, but, but the reality is, I, I, it, I often wonder why do we like what we like, and what defines a like, and how is it, all of that, and I can't explain to you how all of that works, but I know this, that everybody has different tastes, and everybody has different desires. And you take that from a non-sinful platform over into a sinful platform and the same thing holds true. What appeals to some people may not appeal to you, but what appeals to you may not appeal to somebody else. And what I'm saying is, the Bible's very clear that there is an appeal that is personal, that is is dependent on each person, because the Bible says, when he is drawn away of his own lusts and enticed. So understand that our temptation comes from within us even, uh, or maybe I should say it this way, the appeal for that temptation comes from within us. Go with me to Mark chapter number 7. Save your spot here, and James, we'll be back here. Mark chapter number 7. I don't want you to see these verses. I've, I've referenced these verses many times throughout years uh, of preaching, and they stand out as uh, a, a great, great truth that is here in Mark chapter number 7. And the Pharisees were getting on Jesus and his disciples for eating with unwashed hands in this passage. And, and Jesus really tells them uh, that, uh, that, that, um, they, that it's not those things that come from without that defile a man. Now he's not talking about sickness and physical. He's talking about spiritual application. And so he goes on, and for sake of time, look with me in verse number 20, he says this in Mark chapter 7, in verse number 20, and he said, that which cometh out of the man, that defileth the man. For from within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness wickedness deceit lasciviousness and evil eye blasphemy pride foolishness all these evil things come from within and defile the man and so All of these things are different sins that some may appeal to some people and some may appeal to other people. But what I'm saying is all of us have a wicked heart within us and there's something in that list that appeals to you in your life. And it's there. And, And if we're honest with ourselves, we know it's there. And so we understand that there's an appeal that comes from within. Now I'm very careful to split that because not to say that temptation doesn't come from within. But that carnal nature has an appeal just like my tongue loves the taste of chocolate. Your carnal and my carnal flesh loves the appeal of one sin or another sin. And it's there. And it's innate, it's natural, it's just part of who we are and we need to understand that. Now that's not to say uh, that, that, uh, that we'll just tempt ourselves from within. No, there is such a thing as temptation from without. We understand that uh, because uh, everywhere we go there's, uh, there's things that would tempt us and, and would cause us to have problems. But understand that the source of temptation is not God. God is sinless, and that the appeal or the allure of that temptation is from within. And so we understand that. Notice this in verse number 15. Not only do we see the source of temptation, but I want you to see the sin from temptation. Back in our text in, in James chapter number 1 in verse number 15. The Bible says this, Then... When lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Now I want to draw two truths out of this passage right here. That first and foremost, we we see out of this verse that that sin uh, is from temptation. But I want to notice this, that temptation alone is not sin understand the difference. Because the Bible says here in verse number 15, uh, then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And so just temptation itself is not sin. Uh, If it were, then we would have a problem in scripture. Because the Bible very clearly says that Jesus was led out into the wilderness to be tempted. And so Jesus Christ himself was tempted. But yet the Bible is very clear that Jesus was without sin. So therefore, you can, also, you can be tempted and not sin. Temptation is not the same as sin. Understand that. Uh, that's a truth that is in this verse. However, listen, I do want to make this very clear that, that if you entertain temptation and you hang on to it, if you don't swat it away and get it out of your, uh, your presence, uh, then listen, that you're leaving the door wide open for sin to enter your life. Because the longer you stand there and the longer you contemplate and the longer you dwell on that and the longer you entertain the thought of that temptation, the more prone you are to fall to it. And so we understand that, but listen, temptation is not sin alone. And listen, we ought to, uh, you may not be able to prevent temptation from floating before you uh, in front of your eyes or, or even going through your mind, but listen, you can swat it away with Scripture. The Bible says in Philippians 4, 8, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report. If there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Listen, we ought to wash our minds with the Word of God. And listen, uh, the psalmist said, uh, "Thy word have I hid in my heart, that I might not sin against Thee." Something stuck in my mind, uh, and we'll get to it a little bit later. But uh, that I've never forgotten. I was talking to my dad years ago, and uh, and he was talking to somebody who uh, who had been a drunk, and uh, and and really was tempted uh, with drinking. And uh, and he said, "Man," he said, "I you know as I, I walk through the grocery store, and uh, and I just catch it out of the corner of my eye, and." man, the temptation is really great to buy beer and go home and drink. Going to the gas station, the temptation is really great. And my dad said this, he gave him a whole list of verses, and he said, I want you to write these verses out on 3 by 5 card, and I want you to carry them everywhere you go. And whenever you catch a glimpse of alcohol out of the corner of your eye, he said, I want you to take that 3x5 card, and I just want you to read it to yourself. What is he doing? He's swatting away temptation with the word of God. He's, he's washing his mind with the word of God. And listen, uh, we understand that we need to keep our hearts and minds clean. There's a concept in the Bible about fleeing from temptation. I'll give you these verses. Uh, I honestly was shocked at how often this phrase popped up, and I was not aware how frequently it was. But the idea of fleeing from temptation is indeed a biblical principle. You remember when Joseph was tempted, uh, and and the, his his master's wife uh, was really trying to get him uh, to to do perverse things and and you know what he did the Bible said that he fled he ran out of there so much so that he left his coat behind and she later used that to accuse him listen that's a biblical principle to flee. Temptation. Listen to these verses. Matter of fact, you could note them down if you will. We won't turn there for sake of time. But First Corinthians chapter number six and verse number eighteen, the Bible says, flee fornication. Every man, every sin that a man doeth is without the body, but he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. First Corinthians chapter ten and verse number fourteen. The Bible says, Wherefore, my dearly beloved, flee from idolatry. Uh, Listen, I, I didn't even know that was in there. Uh, man, you, you, if, if idolatry is tempting you, hey, flee from it. If fornication is tempting for you, flee from it. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, in verse number 11, verse number 10 is talking about the man of God and talking about riches and the love of money, how it's the root of all evil. And in verse number 11, he says this, but thou, O man of God, flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, and meekness. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 22, flee also youthful lust, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace, and with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. And I'm just saying it's a biblical principle that when, uh, when temptation comes up, man, get out of there. Don't hang around. Don't entertain the thought. Don't allow it to, uh, to, to be there. You better swat it away. You better get away from it. Uh, because listen, uh, it, it'll cause you to fall if you hang around. The idea is to flee. Temptation alone is not sin. Sin but don't entertain it. I put this down for verse number 15. Not only did I put down temptation alone is not sin, but I put this, entertaining leads to execution. That is a pun. That is a play on words. Both execution of commitment and execution of life. We find in verse number number 15, the Bible says this, then when lust hath conceived it bringeth forth sin. I'm not going to go into this, but the word conceive does mean this, to form in the mind. And listen, it's no accident that the Bible uses that word, and I looked that word up throughout Scripture, and it means what you would generally think of uh, to become pregnant with a child. And, and there's, there's no accident that God would use that same word uh, to say, hey, listen, that that, that that temptation that is out there, when it combines with your lust and what appeals to you, it, it, it brings forth, it births sin in your life. That is the exact meaning of that verse and that phrase. And so entertaining the sin or the temptation, I should say, leads to execution. In other words, doing or committing that sin. Uh, And in turn, the Bible tells us at the end of that verse, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. By the way, entertaining that idea of of temptation, Jesus said it this way in Matthew chapter 5 and verse number 28, But I say unto you, that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. And I'm just saying that, hey, entertaining and thinking about those things is, is, is execution of sin. You cannot stop temptation from taking place. It is going to come in your life. And it's going to face you every single day of your life. But you don't have to succumb to it. You need to swat it away with Scripture. You need to get rid of it. If you can't swat it away, hey, you need to get out of that place and and, and, and go to a place that's safe and, and get where you're uh, not going to have that temptation in front of you because the Bible's very clear that, that temptation is there and entertaining it is going to lead to the execution of that sin. Listen, as I said As I said earlier, we live in an absolute perverse society. It's everywhere, it's on billboards. It's on TV screens. Perversity is plastered all over the Internet. And and I'm just saying you need to be careful uh, about the wickedness that is out there. And and I I was shocked. I was talking to a a preacher friend of mine one time. And and he said, listen, it's not just men that suffer with the problem of pornography. Women, too, have problems with that stuff. And I'm just telling you that temptation is out there and you better learn to overcome it and you better better learn that, hey, I don't even want to think about those things and I don't want to allow it to linger in my mind. I want to get it out of there. And I quote scripture if you have to, but learn to get away from it uh, because, uh, listen, the sin is born out of temptation coupled with Lust. And that's just what the Bible is teaching us in this phrase. We see the source of temptation. We see the sin from temptation. Verses 16 and 17, I want us to see the subduing of temptation. Look with me in verse number 16. The Bible says this. He says, do not err, my beloved brethren. You say, that's a really simple verse, and it really is. And people say the Bible is so difficult to understand. It's really not. Do not err, my, my, bre- my beloved brethren. I got two thoughts I want to give you out of this verse. Number one, that uh, he is writing to saved people. He says, my beloved brethren. And, and, and err, the word err, maybe you're looking at it and you say, well, I don't spell err that way. That's okay. It means to wander from the right way, to deviate from the true course or purpose. And the fact that he tells saved, beloved brethren to not err tells me that we have a choice in the matter. Lost people don't have a choice in the matter. They're bound to sin. They've not been saved. The, the bounds have not uh, been taken off of them. And they are bound to that sin. But as a Christian, I'm telling you this, that we have a choice to choose not to sin. Now, let me just say this uh, for those who would go off on a, on a radical uh, side. And, and I heard something about this. I, I think I was talking with another preacher the other day. And, and listen, we do not have sinless perfection. Okay? You're not going to get so good at it that you're going to. Listen, if the Apostle Paul said, Those things that I would do, I do not, and those things that I would, would not do, those things I do, if he didn't get it nailed it down, I, trust me, none of us are even close to the Apostle Paul. If he didn't get it down, we're not going to get it down. And so I'm not saying you're going to become sinlessly perfect in this life, but you mark it down every time that you are attacked with temptation. You have a choice that you need to make. The reality is sometimes we fail and we make the wrong choice, but a choice we do have. He said, do not err, my beloved Brethren, we have a choice, and he was talking to Christians. Notice this in verse number uh, verse number seventeen. I coupled this with this passage. I believe it goes well with it. It says there in verse number seventeen, "Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of Lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow." Of turning, I want you to notice not only the choice in verse number 16, but the perfect gift that was given from God the Father of lights in verse number 17. And what, are, what is that good and perfect gift? Well, the very first perfect gift that, I, that, I, that came to my mind was the Lord Jesus Christ Himself. Hey, there's no greater gift than Jesus Christ Himself, who came to this world and, and, and took on the form of flesh, not sinful flesh, but took onto him the form of flesh where he could feel pain, where he could feel all of those things. And the Bible says that he lived a perfect, sinless life. Praise the Lord for that. And he shed his precious blood on the cross of Calvary, so that, and, he, and he died and he rose again so that you and I could be born again. Hey, the very first step to overcome temptation is to be saved. Because other than that, you're hopeless, and you're lost. So we find the first gift of salvation. Notice these come from the, I love this, the father of lights. And Jesus Christ said this in John 8, 12, then spake Jesus again unto them saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Talk about a perfect gift. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the light of this world that can save us and change our life. He's the perfect Son of God. He's the light of the world. Not only the Son of God, but listen, very clearly, the Bible defines the Word of God as a perfect gift and as a pure gift. And listen, it parallels so well with this passage because the Bible says that it comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variableness neither shadow of turning and the Bible says in Psalm 119, 105 thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path uh, and listen uh, the, the light from the Father has been given to us and listen we have it, we hold it in our laps, we carry it with us everywhere uh, every time we come to church and you ought to spend uh, every Every day reading the Word of God. Why? Because it will illuminate your path and will help you make the right choices when you're faced with temptation. So Jesus Christ and salvation is the first step to overcoming temptation. The second step is the Word of God, the perfect gift that was given to us by God Himself. The Bible says in Psalm 19:7, the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. And I already gave... The idea that, hey, every time that temptation comes up, hey, you swat it away with Scripture. You go over to Matthew chapter 4. We'll not go there for sake of time right now, but Matthew chapter 4 and verse number 4 and verse number 7 and verse number 10, every single time that Jesus Christ was confronted with temptation, He said, it is written. He gave the Word of God as His source to swat away the temptation. And what I'm saying is, hey, listen, if Jesus Christ used the word of God to swat away temptation, hey, we need to do the same because you and I in our flesh, were too weak. We'll fail every single time. We need the word of God. Listen, that's, that's why the psalmist said, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against God. You know what your temptation is. I don't need to know what your temptation is. You know inside of you what are your faults and what are your weaknesses and what are the things that you need to work on. You need to dig through the Word of God and find take an old-fashioned concordance and look up some of the verses and write them down and memorize them. So that when temptation floats across your path, because you can mark it down, it's going to float across your path. You can have a verse on hand that says, it is Written. I don't want this in my life. I don't want this wickedness coming into my life. And the word of God will help you. It is the only thing that will help you overcome temptation in your life. Will you make it to be perfect? Not here on this earth. But you fight against it tooth and nail. You bat it away every time you get opportunity. And if you fall and if you mess up, ask God to forgive you and you keep going on. Say, God, I don't want that in my life. I want to overcome temptation in my life. I want to swat it away. And he'll help you if you ask him. He's given you the word of God. He saved you. We need to use those things to our advantage, to our tool, to, to our advantage the things that he's given us, with every head bowed and every eye closed as we stand to our feet. Salvation gives us freedom from the bondage of sin. The Word of God gives us freedom from the temptation of sin. And you cannot do it by yourself. Father, I thank you for your Word. I thank you for the clarity of it. And God, how clear it is that you talk about Temptation. God, every one of us knows what temptation is. Every one of us face temptation every single day of our life. God, I pray that you'd help us to work, to labor at overcoming temptation. God, help us not to become weary in well-doing, as the Bible says in Galatians. Help us not to become weary with fighting the temptation in our life. I pray, God, that you'd help us to have verses, to memorize verses, to learn verses, to find verses, to combat the temptation that will pop up in our lives. God, will thank you for that. I pray that you'd bless, protect, help, and strengthen each believer. God, I'll thank you for that. In Jesus' precious name, I pray, amen. As the piano begins to play, our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. Maybe God's spoken to your life, the altar's open.